In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Bay City Church. It is an absolute privilege to be able to bring God's Word to us this morning. Um, and when, I'm, when I say us, I, I include myself in that. And I really, really mean that. As I was just preparing this Word, I just found myself being incredibly challenged and incredibly convicted at the same time. And so I'm trusting that God is going to do a work in all of us this morning. So the title of my message is Comfort in Christ. Comfort in Christ. We are going through a series called Thrive, that we weren't made or created merely to just survive this life that we're living, but we're actually called to thrive in it. Yeah. And can I start off with a very bold statement this morning? Jesus makes me thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Jesus yeah. makes Good. me thrive. When my life centers around Jesus, I thrive. And when it doesn't, I don't. And I find myself in a space right now where I'm wanting to experience the more that God has for me. I want to know Him more. I want to experience more of His power, more of His love, more of His goodness. So there's something very exciting and very loud inside of me. But I know that there's also something inside of me that's fighting against that. We play um, quite a cool icebreaker. We've done it at... Um, at uh, Alpha, and we've done it in Impact, and I want to play it with you guys really quickly now. This morning, it's called Would You Rather, and it goes a little something like this. Would you rather have only summer or only winter for the rest of your life? So hands up if you'd rather have only summer for the rest of your life, okay, especially on a cold day like this. <laughs> Would you rather see a movie or go on a hike? Hands up if you'd rather see a movie. Interesting. Okay, no one's invited me on a hike yet, so I'm disappointed with that. Would you rather team up with Batman or with Superman? Hands up if you'd rather team up with Batman. Someone pointed out that his only superpower is that he's rich, so I'll make friends with him. <laughs> but the reason why I bring up this game is because I find myself playing this game of would you rather in my life. I need to finish this assignment. But then something inside of me is like, would you rather do that or scroll on Instagram? Uh, well, I really want to dive into God's word right now. Yeah, but would you rather do that or watch Netflix? Hey, man, I really, really want to do that. that. That might bring up a bit of an awkward conversation. Wouldn't you rather just have a, a funny, lighthearted conversation instead? And so quite often, and this is why I say I find myself being challenged and convicted by this message, is that I choose the, the, the option that makes me more comfortable. I choose the scrolling through Instagram option. I choose the um, watching Netflix option. I choose the funny, light-hearted conversation option. Despite this loud cry inside of me for the more of God. I want to read to us a scripture out of Matthew chapter 19. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your apps on your phones, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to read from verse 20 to 24. Um, and so just a little bit of context here. There's a young man coming up to Jesus, and he says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus um, tells him some of the commandments. And then uh, we pick it up in verse 20. If you guys are with me, it should be on the board, hopefully. But if not, just turn in your Bibles. Matthew 19, verses 20 to 24. All these I have kept, the young man said, 
what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the, through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so there's a lot there. I just want to touch on a, on a few things. Um, first of all, is Jesus' response to this guy. Go. If, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions. Um, that word perfect is a Greek word, teleos, which comes from the word teleo. And that word means to be complete. To be complete. He asks Jesus, is there anything, I've done all these things, is there anything I still lack? And Jesus brings up this thing of completeness, because to be complete is to lack nothing. Would you agree? And he tells him, sell everything that you have. Sell everything that you have. These things aren't evil. But they're not going to make you complete. I am. That's what Jesus is saying to this young man. I'm going to make you complete. Not all these things that you're relying on. You want to be perfect and walk in everything that I have for you. Then sell everything because it's going to distract you. It's going to make you comfortable. That's what Jesus is saying to this young man. I believe his, his heart towards him and towards us this morning is, I don't and you don't need those riches because you have me. It's really what I believe Jesus is saying to us. And so following Jesus gets uncomfortable, doesn't it? It just, it just does. It just gets uncomfortable. And Jesus isn't saying hey, you can't have rest or you can't have peace or you can't have comfort. But he looks right into the heart. He saw into the heart of that young man and he's looking into our hearts now. And he asks this question, where do you find your comfort where do you find your rest? Where do you find your peace? Is it in the things of the world or is it in me? Do we find that comfort in Jesus? He isn't saying that because you are wealthy, you can't enter his kingdom. But he's warning us, don't pin your hope, don't pin your comfort on the things that the world has to offer you. Pin it onto Jesus. And that's what we do, isn't it? We look to the next thing that we can gain to try and complete us. Because if we have so much of something, surely we just need more of that to complete us. And it might look like having more money or a better job um, or going to this place and doing that thing and getting a, a bigger house or a better car and, and we, we create this bucket list. And as we tick things off, we just add more things on. And Jesus is going to complete you. He then invites this young man to follow him so he says, sell everything, go, sell everything, and you will have, uh, give it to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven, and then come, follow me. And then, then the next part absolutely breaks my heart. It says that the young man walks away sad. He walks away sad because he had great wealth. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, seriously, the God of the universe has just asked you to follow him, and you're sad? Why? Because of some earthly possessions? Jesus even tells him, you will have treasure in heaven. The interesting thing, though, is in verse 16, 
when he initiates this conversation with Jesus, he addresses him as teacher. Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He doesn't address him as Lord. I don't think he knew who Jesus was. This person that had just asked him to surrender everything and follow him, I don't think he knew who was standing before him asking that question. And maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus relationally. He wants to have a relationship with you. I want to encourage you, as Nick was saying earlier, not just to open up your ears, but to open up your hearts as well. And I believe he's going to reveal himself to you this morning. I grew up just like that. I grew up uh, knowing about Jesus, but not really knowing him personally. And at the end of 2020, I decided to follow Jesus. Um, and he, he revealed himself to me in a very personal and a very relational way. Um, and I, I followed him and I started this relationship with him. But initially, it was quite difficult to start walking out what he had done in my heart. He had completely transformed my heart. But to walk that out was quite hard because I wanted to follow Jesus. I really did. But at the same time, I wanted to hold on to the things of my former life. And that's what I find is inside of us, this struggle between flesh and spirit, between comfort and Christ. And actually, Jesus says, don't find your comfort in that, in, in what the world has to offer. Find your comfort in me. My dad would say this to me quite often because um, he could see this internal struggle inside of me. Um, and, and something that I've always held on to, and I want to share it with you this morning, he would say, follow Jesus with all your heart and let the cards fall where they fall. Just run after him. We've got to stop playing this game of would you rather. Just follow him with all your heart. Let the cards fall where they fall. I want to read us um, a story out of Mark chapter 12, so you can turn there in the meantime, verses 41. Mark 12, verses 41, about a widow in the Bible that I feel did just that, surrendered everything to Jesus, um, and she just let the cards fall where they fall. And so if you're there, I'd like to read with us Mark 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, with only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. That's got to be our heart, that we want to give him everything, all that we have to live on, to step into everything that God has for us, to thrive. I believe as as, as disciples, we have to live radical lives. Bay City, we have to be radical. This widow was radical. What can be more radical than surrendering everything to Jesus? If anyone needed to gain any sort of treasure from this world, it was her. But out of her poverty, radically surrenders everything to Jesus. And I think the reason why we often uh, we, we rely on the things of the world um, and not on Jesus is because that's where our focus is. It's in our face. It's all around us, but we're fixated on it. I think if we would just shift our focus off the things of the earth and onto Jesus, off of the kingdom of earth and onto the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom ruled by a king, Jesus Christ, I think we're going to be a radical church that by the power of his spirit, 
reaches neighbors, nation, neighborhoods, and nations with this powerful gospel that transforms lives and enables others to thrive as well. So I'm trusting that this message and, and God's spirit has really touched your heart this morning. And I'd love to just call on Nick to you. Thanks, bud. Good job. I'm a little bit intimidated to tell you the truth. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Wonderful to see the fruit of what parents invest in children. He's grown up in a household where moms and dads love Jesus. And he's got two other brothers who are just like him. Maybe not in looks, but passion for Jesus. One's a little bit brighter, I think, but anyway, <laughs> I say that he is a boffin. He won the Mass Olympiad nationwide, I think, from the school, yeah. Hence, I say that comment. I don't say it in a disparaging way. <laughs> I think Jared would agree, but that was a great encouragement. So we have, over the course of this series, been called as Christ followers to thrive in the power of the gospel. In other words, to live fruitful kingdom lives. And as Jared has encouraged us this morning, let us live in all that God has for us. So please come with me to the love book of the Bible. Guess which one that is? Song of Songs. The author shows us in this book as we read it of how we can thrive. So the book is a collection of poems shared by lovers and there's some very explicit and intimate conversation that happens as you read this book. You might feel uncomfortable that it's in the Bible, but it's in the Bible. Why is it in the Bible? Because it reveals something of God's heart of love for us, for His church. And so there's this conversation between Solomon, some biblical scholars would say, and the Shulamite woman. Other scholars would say that it is a representation of God's love for his church. And, uh, but what is apparent when you read the book, and we're not going to read the whole book, so I've got a short time. But what is apparent as you read these words, these intimate words between Solomon and the Shulamite woman who he was courting and he has married, is love. We want to read it from the perspective of God's love for his people, for his church, for us. And God uses this beautiful relationship between Solomon and the Shulamite woman to describe how he loves us, his church. The beauty of this intimacy, of this love relationship between a husband and a wife illustrates a kind of love that God has with us, his church. That's worth an Amen. And I'm wanting to encourage us this morning from that perspective. Our relationship with God the Father is so beautiful. It's so precious. Can I also say it's so sacred that we need to pay attention to it if we want to thrive in Him. So I did say let's turn to the love book of the Bible, Song of Songs, chapter 2, the New King James Version. And this is what 
the Shulamite woman says, catch us, the foxes. Can I say us, church? Catch us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Very interesting is that the foxes don't eat the vine. They eat the grapes. And to protect the grapes, using imagery of <clears throat> excuse me. To use the imagery of this vineyard, the writer, the Shulamite woman, is saying that the foxes are after the grapes. To protect the grapes, you need to do something. And so what the workers in the vineyards practically would do is that they would lift the grapes up onto poles off the ground so that the foxes couldn't reach them. And the grapes, these tender grapes, the juicy grapes, were protected. And so this picture that this verse gives us has a spiritual lesson, that we are encouraged to protect kingdom fruit in our lives. In your marriage, the kingdom fruit in your marriage, protect it. The kingdom fruit in your relationship with your children, vice versa, protect it. The kingdom fruit in your relationship with each other within the church, protect it. Prop it up. Support it. Don't let the little foxes get to it. They tender. The dangers can be little compromises with the world. Jared's reference, I would rather. The little foxes can be indulging the flesh, that game that we play, I would rather. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. In fact, Charles Spurgeon preached eight sermons out of this verse. <laughs> if you have any sign of spiritual life, if you have any tender grapes upon your branches, the devil and his foxes will be sure to be at you. Therefore, endeavor. In other words, do your best. Do what you can to get close as you ever can to the king. Keep close to Christ, for this is your life. Find your comfort, in other words, as Jared was teaching us this morning. Find your comfort in Christ, for this is your life. And next, he says two things. Keep close to Christ. And then he says, keep close to his church. And the church, this is your comfort. Like workers in a vineyard, we need to pay attention to the vine, keeping the fruit of kingdom life out of reach of the little foxes, tender great friends. It takes sometimes just a little look, a little look. Remember David and Bathsheba? Just a little look. David, when he let his guard down, he didn't protect what he had. He let his guard down. He was tired. He was meant to be at war, fighting the enemy. And yet he's in his room, and he looks across the rooftops, and he sees a naked woman bathing on the rooftop, and he is seduced. A little moment. And what unfolds is a very, very, very sad account of how he tries to cover his sin. And instead of there being thriving and flourishing, this destruction. A little look. Little fox gets in, boom, gone. Tender grapes, 
fruit of salvation, obedience to Jesus Christ. Don't compromise. It's the small things that will trip us up. It's a little look here. It's a little pop on the keyboard there. Gets us in trouble. Little lying on the tax form. <laughs> little fox going to catch up with you. The grapes. How about your zeal and your passion for Jesus? Am I excited about Jesus today as I was the day that I was saved? Question. You answer that for yourself. Tender grape. Am I so passionate about the church? I, you couldn't keep me out the church when I got saved. I sat, I got saved. Shelley will tell you, I sat second row. Why did I sit second row? Well, I wanted to be the first. I couldn't be the first because the elders sat in the front row. So I thought, okay, I'll be the second. <laughs> to catch everything God had. But in the reality, over time, gets cold, lukewarm, first love goes. We start to drift out of fellowship, start to drift out of the comfort that the church gives us. And suddenly the things of the kingdom don't become so important to us anymore. I would rather, and you can put in, I would rather dot, 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 whatever you want to in your life because you know where you are with Jesus. Pindy's word that she brought, she brought in the prayer meeting. We asked her to share it this morning for our before to be restored. And in fact, I think the Shulamite woman is saying, Solomon, and it's a word for us, I'll be for, I'll be for zeal, I'll be for passion, I'll be for obedience, I'll be for love for Jesus to be restored. Maybe the little foxes have got in. Maybe I can ask the music team to come in. Maybe the little foxes have got to work in your vineyard. And I, I, I'm not sharing this word this morning to bring condemnation. I'm sharing this word this morning to get us back in the very flow of God's river of life. Because that's where He wants us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, Paul reminds us as we read it this morning for ourselves. You were bought. And I put myself there, Nick. You were bought at a price. Sir, ma'am, you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Let just the revelation of that for a moment sink in. You were bought at a price. Therefore, it means we're bought at a price. Therefore, it means something must change. Something must happen. Therefore, in this case, therefore, let's pay attention to the little foxes. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's, bought at a price. The blood of Christ, the very blood of our Lord and Savior, ran down a cross, paid for our redemption. So what Jesus was upon us, death for sin, places it upon Himself. And in that moment, we are given a new obligation. Is that not true? One to obedience. And surrender to this king that gave himself for us. There's a couple of things to remind us this morning how we can stay close to Christ, find our comfort in him. Remember, 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 not just remember, pay attention to it that we are his. 
by the gift of his Father. That we are his by the purchase of his blood. He paid for us by his own life. That we are his by conquest. He waged war for our souls and rose victorious over death and the enemy. Conquered sin for us. Remember that. If he has done all of that for me, then surely if I am his, I surrender. All. This morning, my quiet moment, reading Revelation chapter 5. Yeah, you can read the Bible and sometimes you just skim over. Revelation chapter 5. John has a vision of Jesus seated upon the throne. And he hears the song. The song, it's a never-ending song that has been sung throughout eternity. That has been sung now and will be sung into eternity. And this is the song that he hears. Can I say, friends, this song is sung right now for you and I. He says about Jesus, you were slaughtered. And your blood has ransomed people for God. From every tribe, every language, people, and nation. I heard the voices. John writing. I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and, and glory and blessing remember this that we are his we're going to sing in a moment and I don't know if it'll be the same song that's sung in heaven at the moment. But as we sing, let's remember that we have a King, Jesus, seated upon the throne, who died, was resurrected, sits victorious, and He's saying to you, us this morning, I want your heart. Sir, ma'am, I want your heart. I want your heart. Stop fiddling. Stop fussing with the things that bring no riches. I'm the one who fills everything in every way. Find yourself in me. And as we sing this song this morning, we'll allow the Holy Spirit to minister to hearts. That if you know that there's a little fox that you need to deal with, I almost feel that we can say we surrender. If you're comfortable this morning, why don't we just kneel? Prophetic statement of my heart surrendered to Him. As we sing the song, Lord, set me free. Lord Jesus, we take a moment in this position, posture of humility and surrender before the great King, you, Jesus, great I am. But humble our hearts before you. 
and allow you, Jesus, to reveal to us, firstly, the riches that we have in you, these tender grapes of kingdom life, how wonderful they are. also reveal to us where little foxes are nibbling at that fruit. We might deal with them, find ourselves again in you, with you, as our first love.